Good morning, Kavanaugh. Thank you for being here. Will you stand with us? Let's sing the new song we sing. Worship team for bringing the hype. What's up, everybody? Everyone doing good? 
Okay, I can't see your facial expression, so you're going to have to help me out. At least give me a thumbs up if you're all right today. Great. Hey, it is good to have you all here. I want to thank also our online audience this morning for joining us this morning. Thank you so much. But we're excited to be back, y'all. Aren't you guys glad to be here? Good, because I'm glad you are, because I am. And it's good to see all you guys. We come expecting today for God to do something awesome here. And we hope that every heart is ready for what God has through the rest of our worship and through the uh, teaching of the word and preaching of the word by Brother Will. I hope you're ready to have whatever God gives you, okay? So be praying in that way today as we uh, continue our services this morning. But again, we're so excited that you're here um, and thankful that we can be in this house today worshiping together as as Cavanaugh Church, right? So I want to encourage you to stand back up, air high five a few of those around you. No, no touching. All right, let's continue worship.
want to express that you are the only reason that we survive. And Lord, we want to ask your healing hand on Brother Will. And Lord, you have his way and his heart that he speaks the words you should have him speak. And Lord, we know there are lots and lots and lots of needs. But Lord, you are able and you're willing to help us with each one of those bring together a closing of this virus. Lord, help us to do your will. And I just want to say thank you. And I love you. In Jesus' name. Kavanaugh. It's good to see you here today. Wow, what a great crowd we have uh, compared to last Sunday. This is awesome. And uh, our online guests, thank you for watching. And uh, just welcome all of you to the Lord's house. Glad that you're here. And I know God has a, a good word for us today. This morning I'm going to be uh, teaching or preaching about the uh, work of the Holy Spirit in our life and how we need to be plugged in to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to activate His ministry in and through our lives. Now, the passage I'm going to preach from is found in Romans chapter 8. And uh, let me tell you the backstory on, on how I came to Romans chapter 8. It was really this week uh, with the, the events that transpired on Monday, but really the story goes back way before that. I don't know, it's probably been five years ago, I, I did something to my right shoulder and and uh, kind of injured it, and uh, through the, the process of time, and, and every day, of course, I'm getting older, all right, uh, and my shoulder just started hurting worse and worse, and, and it finally got to a point where, uh, it was, to me, it was, it was ridiculous to, to keep going that way when I could get it fixed, all right, and so I had a, a meeting with my doctor, uh, who's in Fayetteville, it's Dr. Cox, a good friend of Lucas Miller. Lucas hooked me up with him. and In fact, Lucas texted Dr. Cox before I went in and said, hey, this guy's a friend of mine, I'd be nice to him. And uh, Dr. Cox was just, uh, he was really nice to me because he loves Lucas. And, and so anyway, we, we, we talked about some things. He gave me a shot, and that helped for a little bit, but the shot dissipated and went away. And and it just kind of got to the point where I was sick of messing with it. I, I was waking up four or five times during the night with the pain, and, and it was a 24-hour thing. And so I decided I'm, I'm ready to do something about it. And so I had this telemedicine meeting with him over the Internet a few weeks ago, and I said, Dr. Cox, I'm ready for whatever. If you want to replace my shoulder, I'm okay with that. I'm just ready to do something about it. He said, well, well, Pastor, I think we can do something else. Let me go in and just try to clean the thing up and see if we get relief that way. And so I went up to Fayetteville early Monday morning, and she took me. She couldn't go in. She just she dropped me off, and I don't know what she did. She just ran around town, I guess, just kicked me out right at the hospital. And I went in, and Dr. Cox came in. He's so nice to me. He said, Pastor, I want you to know I was praying for you this morning. I said, well, buddy, thank you, because I've been praying for you, too. <laughs> and the anesthesiologist came in, and come to find out, his grandmother lives here in Fort Smith up in Fianna Hills, so he knew exactly where our church was. And, and he said, Pastor, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm about to give you a, a shot in the neck, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to sting pretty bad when I give you this shot. 
and, and then your arm, your right arm is going to start convulsing. It's going to start jerking because I'm putting a block in it, Terry. He said, I'm putting a block in it. And he says, what that means is for the next 18 hours, you're not going to feel anything in that right arm. It's just going to kind of be numb. I said, well, okay, bring it home, man. And so he said, do you feel this? I said, yeah, I feel that. And put that needle in my neck. And then all of a sudden, my arm started convulsing and shaking. And then I don't remember anything after that. All right? I was asleep for a few hours until the nurse woke me up in post-op. And, and uh, she said, Mr. Harmon, I'm going to go out and talk to your wife. I'll come back in, help you get your shirt on, and, and then you can go home. So I, I looked down, and, and my arm was in this sling. And and I couldn't feel it. I touched it, but I couldn't feel anything. And she came in and took it out of the sling, and it just, it just I mean, it just dropped like that. I could not move my arm. It was the freakiest thing. And so she put my shirt on me, and we got in the car and drove home. Don't remember too much about that, but I do remember being in my recliner at 905 Curry Lane, and I was just, I was touching my arm and not feeling a thing. Uh, later that night, I went to the bathroom and, and uh, had a talk with the, the porcelain there and, and uh, started throwing up. And that old arm was just dangling, man. It wasn't helping me at all. The next morning, I woke up and I could feel again. I had feeling back to my... And I could move it. I could control it. What I once could not control, now I could control. But the bad part of it, the feeling came back. And the pain came back. And I was wishing I had that block again. But can I tell you, when that arm was blocked, I, I, it, was, it was freaky. I mean, I had absolutely no control. It was weird. And my mind went to Romans chapter 8. Now, isn't that weird? When crazy things happen in your life, your mind goes to the Word of God. Mine went to Romans chapter 8, and maybe it'll make sense what I'm talking about. Here's what Paul said, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Can we say hallelujah? Hallelujah for that. Man, I'm telling you, what good news that is that the devil has no more condemnation over you. Sin has no control over your life. Why? Because the Spirit of God has freed you and His power has been put inside of your life. You have the power of God inside of you. Who is controlling you? Because in verse 9 he says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are now controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And then in parentheses, Paul said, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. So the pivotal point is what you do with Jesus Christ. If you invite Jesus into your heart to be your Lord, your Savior, and your King, then you know what? The Spirit of God now controls you. The spirit of the world, the spirit of death, the spirit of that sinful nature does not control you any longer. God's spirit controls you. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, gives you life because you have been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give 
life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit that lives inside of you. Wow. Amen. Wow. Hallelujah. Even though our mortal bodies are going to die, because that's what these mortal bodies do, because we have the Spirit of God living inside of us, we're going to live forever. The same Spirit that raised Jesus out of the grave is going to take you to heaven. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Amen. So it is the Spirit of God who should be controlling our lives. Now, you can divide people into two categories according to the Word of God. Number one, those who are controlled by the world and by Satan. Or number two, those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. It's a distinction between those who live in the flesh or in the world and those who live in the Spirit. And the way you know one from another is what they do with Jesus. That's what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 8. It's what you do with Jesus, what you think about Jesus, what you believe about Jesus, whether or not you have confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you have, then you've been born again. And if you've been born again, you now have the Spirit of God living inside of you. So here's the question. How do we really get plugged in to the Holy Spirit of God? How do you activate the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life and in our church so that it is the Holy Spirit of God who is controlling us each and every day? Well, I want to show you in in flyover fashion what the New Testament says about how we connect to the Holy Spirit and how we stay connected to the Holy Spirit. So we're about to take off for a quick flight across the New Testament. You got your seatbelts on. Okay? Here we go. Five ways you plug into the Spirit of God. Five ways you allow the Holy Spirit to dominate and control your life. So number one, you do that by not resisting the Holy Spirit. Okay? We allow the Holy Spirit to control us by not resisting the Spirit. God reaches out to and speaks to people by his Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've, you've listened to the prayer, prayer that I usually pray before I preach. I usually say something like this, Lord, as I speak on the outside, I pray that your Holy Spirit speaks on the inside. And that honestly is my prayer. Because what I want you to do today is not hear my voice. I want you to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit of God. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. When either myself or Jason or Johnny or Nathan or Ray or or Devin or whoever it is, whoever is preaching to you, it's the Holy Spirit who speaks to our hearts. There's a great story in Acts chapter 7 about a preacher who's preaching to people who don't want to hear the Holy Spirit, all right? It's a story of Stephen. He is preaching a very powerful message before the Jewish leaders. And he comes down to the last of his sermon, and he's really driving home this point. And here's what he says in Acts chapter 7, verse 51. He said, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. Well, he wasn't trying to win any popularity contest, was he? I mean, he was hammering down. He was, he was literally shucking the corn, as they say. He was preaching hard to them. But you know what? I... As I read this, I really don't think that he was preaching out of a mean spirit. 
I, I don't think he was, he, he wasn't saying this to them because he wanted God to annihilate them. He was preaching to them out of a heart of compassion. He, he was just simply saying the truth to them because you know what? They were stiff necked. They were uncircumcised in their heart and in their ears. And here's the point. Here's what he says. You always, not sometimes or part of the times or every first Sunday of the month. No, he said you always resist the Holy Spirit. Your fathers did that and so do you. Now, the word resist literally means to strive against or to fall away from. When Stephen spoke it, he spoke it in a present tense verb, which means there is ongoing, continuous resistance to God speaking to them through his spirit. So what were these people guilty of? Well, they were guilty of trying to stifle and silence any way that God would try to speak to them. Stephen was preaching to them this message, and they were the religious leaders of their day. They were people who knew better. They were people who knew the Old Testament and knew that they should be listening to the voice of God. But he was saying things to them that they didn't want to hear. And so they were resisting the word of the Holy Spirit. They were striving against the work of the Spirit in their life. In fact, if you read Acts chapter 7, you will find out that when he finished preaching, here's what they did. It literally says they took their hands and they covered their ears, symbolically showing they didn't want to hear what he was saying. And then they yelled at him and ran towards him. They took their hands away from their ears and they picked up rocks and they stoned Stephen to death. Why? Well, the words that were coming out of his mouth were words of conviction. As he spoke it on the outside, the Holy Spirit spoke it into their hearts and convicted them. And they didn't want any part of that. But you know what? That's the job of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 8. Jesus said, when he has come, speaking of the Holy Spirit, he, the Holy Spirit, will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment to come. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. He speaks to the hearts of non-believers, convicting them of the sin that is rampant in their life. And sometimes people hear that, and they confess their sins and they're born again. Other times, unbelievers hear the convicting word of the Holy Spirit and they resist it. They close up their ears. They don't want to hear it. And so they turn their back on the Lord. Now, you, you might be wondering, okay, I, I get that about a non-believer not wanting to, to hear the truth and, and be uncomfortable because of the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but can a believer resist the Holy Spirit? You're right. They can. When God reveals himself or his will to us and in the word of God or in a sermon or in reading the word of God or when he firmly impresses upon our heart that we need to do something or take some action or say something, we can either do that and submit to the Holy Spirit or we can reject it and resist it. And we can harden our hearts. And when our hearts are hardened, 
We are resisting the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the acid test. What am I preaching on today? The Holy Spirit. And how the Holy Spirit wants to control your life. And so I know that at some point in this message, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you. He's going to speak to your heart. Whether you're in person or you're online, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you about something in this sermon, and he's going to say something to you like, okay, that's what you need to be doing, or you know what, you don't need to be doing that, or you need to go here, or you need to say this. You're going to have the opportunity to either submit to the Holy Spirit or resist the Holy Spirit. Man, I pray you make the right choice, all right? Because if you really want the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you cannot resist him. Number two, you can't quench the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's activity is often described in the Word of God through the image of a, a fire. Okay, The Holy Spirit, his, his work is like a fire. How, how do I get that? Well, go back to Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. The believers were praying, and all of a sudden, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. How, how did that happen? Well, the Bible specifically says in Acts chapter 2, when they looked around, they saw above each one's head this flame of the Holy Spirit. It, it looked like a fire flame dancing above or dangling above their heads. And when they saw that, they were instantly filled with the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is referred to and represented in Scripture as fire, then what we have to be careful of in our lives is quenching that fire or putting that fire out. Now, this phrase, quench not the Spirit, is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. From the King James, it says, quench not the Spirit. In the message, it says, don't suppress the Spirit. My favorite is out of the NIV. It says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. And literally, that's what it's saying here. The, the Holy Spirit of God is going to burn inside of you. Do not put that Spirit of fire out. So how can this happen? Well, it happens when, when we try to stop something that the Spirit of God wants to do. Now, I may not understand everything that is going on around me. Whether it's in my own life or in somebody else's life or in the life of the church, I may not understand it all and be able to explain it all, but let me tell you, who am I to try to stop something that God is doing? And yet, when we don't understand something or something is different than the way we've thought it should be, and we don't understand it, we try to stop it. That's human nature isn't it? And do we do that in our own spiritual life? Yes. Do we do that in our church? Yes, we do. I'm reminded of, of a story that happened 100 plus years ago. It was in South Africa. The, the preacher was Dr. Andrew Murray. For 13 years, he had been praying for revival to come to his church and in his country. And then when it came, he didn't even recognize what it was because it, was, it came in a different way than what he expected. Instead of coming on a Sunday morning when he was preaching, it happened on a Saturday night. He was in his office doing what he normally did, putting the finishing touches on his sermon. Uh, an associate pastor was down in the basement of the church. They, they literally called it the lower chamber of the church, leading a Saturday night prayer meeting. They did it every Saturday night. 
And those who were there all testified to the same thing happening. A young girl, 12, 13 years old, stood up and was giving a testimony of the way God was working in her life. And as this little girl was giving praise to God, everyone there said, all of a sudden they heard the sound of a mighty rushing wind as it blew through the lower chamber of that church. That kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? And when that wind blew through the lower chamber of the church, everyone in the room did one of two things. They either stood to their feet and gave praise to God, or they fell on their face confessing their sins. But everyone was doing something out loud all at once. Now, you've got to understand Dr. Murray. He, he was a very dignified uh, man of God, and he could not stand any kind of confusion in his church. Uh, when he preached, people listened. They didn't speak. Only one person spoke at a time. This was something way out of the ordinary. And, and the young associate pastor who was there realized quickly he had no control over this. So he ran upstairs and got Dr. Murray from his office and said, you need to come down here and see what's happening. And when Dr. Murray entered the room, all these people were speaking and shouting and praying at, at the same time. And he said, stop it. Stop it. I will not have this confusion in my church. But they didn't stop. There was an American there who had experienced the 1857 revival in America. And he tapped Dr. Murray on the shoulder and said, Dr. Murray, I believe God is here. <laughs> don't, don't touch the ark of God. Now, it's not the way Dr. Murray had planned for revival to come. But who was he to stop what God was doing? Are you with me? Now, it helps us when we understand 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 in its context. So here's what verses 19 through 22 say. Do not quench the Spirit. There's our verse. Don't quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good and abstain from every form of evil. So it seems that the direct application of this command was not to treat with contempt the prophecies that come into the church. Are you open to what God is speaking to you today through his word? I mean, really, are you listening to the voice of God? Are you listening through me, through your preacher, the one who has been called by God to proclaim the word of God to you? Are you listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you? If you are, then you're going to obey it. If you're resisting it, you're trying to quench that spirit. You want to put that fire out. Instead of you putting the fire out, why don't you let that fire ignite you and burn inside of you? So what you need to do really more than anything is look around and say, well, what is God blessing? That's been my prayer for the last couple of months. Lord, whatever you're blessing during this pandemic, I, I want to be a part of what you're blessing. I, I want to come alongside of you and, and be a part of that. So look around this morning. Where is the fire of God's spirit burning? Well, I know it's burning in his word. So let's get as close to the word of God as we can. 
I know that the fire of God is burning in the fellowship of the church. So even during this time of separation, let's try to connect as closely as we can to God's people and the church. I know that this fire is burning in the presence of God through worship. So let's get as close to God through worship as we possibly can. Let it catch you on fire. The the problem for some of us is that we have uh, appointed ourselves as God's volunteer fire department. Now think about that. (laughs) We're ready to put out anything that we don't understand. Are, Are you with me? Or anything that makes us a little uncomfortable. We, we want to quench that. And so we keep our little personal fire extinguisher at the ready. We stifle the spirit by scoffing at what God is doing in the lives of others or in other churches. And, and, and don't, don't sit there with your pious mask on your face. <laughs> Thinking, oh, I, I wish those people who need to hear this were here. You know what? We, we all need to hear this because we've all done it. We see what God is doing in someone else's life and it makes us jealous because it's not happening to us or because we don't understand it. And so we try to quench that by saying something negative about them. I know it happens to us preachers all the time. God is blessing some church over here. And instead of rejoicing with them, we kind of get amongst ourselves and say, well, I wonder what they compromised on. You know, let's get over it. If if God is blessing something, let's come alongside of it and get a little bit of that blessing as well. Now, it, it doesn't mean that we're totally gullible because he tells us right there in verse 21, you test all things. You make sure that this is of God. But if it is of God, then he goes on to say, hold on to what is good and do not quench the spirit of God. So if you want the power of God in your life, don't resist the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Number three, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says that you can grieve the Spirit of God. Over in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30, he tells us this. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now to grieve someone is to cause or bring sorrow to them. And and as I've analyzed this, the the only people that we can grieve are people who are close to us, our loved ones, our family members, people that we care about. A stranger might become annoyed. An acquaintance might be perplexed. A, A business colleague might be offended. But a loved one can be grieved. And so I think it's important that, again, we look at the context. And when we look at the context of Ephesians chapter 4, we see that this admonition to not grieve the Holy Spirit is sandwiched in between the relationship that we have with the people we love, either our family members or our church members. And it tells us that we need to be lifting each other up, not tearing each other down. So let's read this verse in the context. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. In other words, you believers, you family members, you be careful what you say 
to other family members, or to people in the church. You, you are not the one to tear them down. You are to speak words of edification, to build them up. Okay? Now, let me just do a quick time out because I know some of you are real thinkers and you've already got ahead of me here and say, well, what about people who need to be corrected? What about family members who need to be admonished or corrected? What about church members who get out of line and they need to be corrected? Well, you know what? There is a way in which we are to do that in love. Not to tear them down any further. Not to drive them further away from Jesus or the church. You admonish, you correct in love for the purpose of edification and bringing them back into the fold. You understand? So be careful what comes out of your mouth. And then here's our verse. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And then he goes right into this. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. Do you know where this happens more than anywhere else? It's not in boardrooms or in classrooms where this happens. This happens in living rooms and in worship rooms with the people that we love and supposedly care about. It, it, it happens when we're assembled together in homes and in the church. And here's what Paul is saying in a nutshell. The Holy Spirit of God is grieved when you and I have dissension among ourselves and when trash and junk comes out of our mouths towards each other, and we tear each other down. It grieves the Holy Spirit of God when that happens. When we are not speaking to each other out of love, and like Jesus Christ would speak, then you know what? You're grieving the Holy Spirit of God. You're crushing the Spirit of God. You're resisting. You're quenching. You're grieving Him. Now, I would have to say these first three are I kind of I put them in the negative sense. Don't, don't quench, don't resist, don't grieve. Now, now let's go positive, okay? Number four and five. Number four, live by the Spirit. You live by the Spirit. Galatians 5.16, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then skipping down to verse 18, he says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So church, listen to me. In my own strength, there is no way I can be righteous. Amen. Neither can you. It's only as we depend on the Holy Spirit's work in our life that we are led by him and we become righteous in the sight of God. I love what he says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, and that's my point, we are to live in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit... Let us also walk in the Spirit. You live in the Spirit, then you flesh it out. You're walking with the Spirit every day. Are you with me? Yes. It looks like we're lost. Let me paint a picture for you. Have you ever been in an in a, uh, airport, and you, you get off a, an airplane, and you've got your carry-on with you, and usually you've got two things. You're carrying a bag, and you're pulling one, and... And you've got to go completely across the cotton-picking airport to get to your next flight. Why do they do that? Why do they do that to you? 
Yeah, it, it, Atlanta Airport's one of the worst ones. I mean, it's forever to get there, and you never have enough time. And so you're running, you're huffing, and you're puffing. You're, you're dragging that bag, and you're running as fast as you can. And then out of the corner of your eye, you glimpse somebody who's coming up behind you. And man, they just zip right past you. They're not huffing. They're not puffing. They're simply walking, but zip, they're gone. And you think, how in the world did that person just fly by me? They're not running. They're walking, and they zoomed right by me. And you look over there, and they're on a moving sidewalk. You know? It's one of those flat escalators. And that's the image I want you to see here. When we walk in the Spirit, the Spirit of God comes under us, underneath us, and He bears us along. It's like He's carrying us. Now, we're still facing the same world we faced before. We're still having the same problems. But you know what? He makes the difference. He carries us along. I say this all the time, especially at funerals. I I don't know how people who don't have the Lord make it. And I literally mean that. I don't know how they make it. Because the Holy Spirit of God undergirds me. And when I can't walk... He carries me. So we are to live by the Spirit. And then finally, number five, if you want the power of God in your life, you need to be filled with the Spirit. My last verse is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Man, I love this verse. Do not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. (laughs) Don't you like that word? But be filled with the Spirit of God. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit of God. And, And that word literally means... Keep on being filled. It's a continuous filling. Be being filled. Now, you've all heard about people who are arrested for DUI, driving under the influence of drugs and alcohol. What does that mean? Well, it means they have no control of themselves. That substance, whether it's alcohol or drugs, is controlling them. Let me take you back to my dangly arm. I mean, I could see it, I could touch it. It's the weirdest thing. I, couldn't, I could touch, but I couldn't, I couldn't feel. But I had no control over it. It's like it just kind of had its own mind. It just kind of wanted to hang there. It, and that brought me to this passage. That, that's the way people are without the Lord. There is no control in their life. It's, it's like they're on a 24-hour drunk spree. Drunk people have no control with what they say, what they think, how they act. And that's what the Bible is saying here in Ephesians chapter 5, 18. I like it out of this translation. Do not be drunk with wine, which leads, well, I have it different here. Do not be under the influence of alcohol or alcoholic beverages, but instead... Be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. So don't be D-U-I, be L-U-I. And that means living under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God. That's what it means when it says stay filled with the Spirit of God. It is a continual filling of the Spirit. Now, when you got saved, whenever that was, you received the gift of the Holy Spirit. But what this is saying is every day you need a refilling of the Spirit. You need to allow the Spirit of God to refill your tank for the day. I told the 9 o'clock people every every Sunday morning between Cary Lane and 2825 Grinnell, I pray for what's happening here 
at church, and, and I pray for you guys, and, and I pray that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to work in our service, and I always pray for me because I need to be prayed for. I know that. And so what I always say is, Lord, fill me today with your spirit. And this morning I prayed for a double filling because I needed it today. Lord, let that, let that double feeling, filling of the spirit come over. Fill me from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head because I can't do this on my own. You know what? Whether it's standing up here preaching or just living life in a regular day, you can't do it on your own. You need that filling of the Holy Spirit. So pray every morning that God would fill you. When you feel depleted during the day, pray for an extra filling of the Holy Spirit of God. Pray for him to come upon your life and to undergird you and to lead you. Now, how do we do that? Well, let me leave you with three words. The first word is remove. If you want the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you need to remove all sin that is in your life because sin and the power of the Spirit cannot coexist. Go back and read Romans chapter 8 that we started with today. You've either got one or the other, but you don't have both. Hey. And if you have Jesus living inside of you, then you know what? You have forsaken that life of sin. So evaluate your life right now. Is there unconfessed sin? If there is any unconfessed sin, here in a minute, you need to confess it. You might say, well, how, how would I know if there's unconfessed? Oh, you know. You know. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's pointing it out to you right now. That's his job. Remember what Jesus said? The Spirit has come to bring conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. So number one, remove all sin. Number two, release every area of your life to God. You open every locked door in your heart and allow the Holy Spirit access to every area. of You release your life unto him. And then number three, you receive the fresh filling of the Spirit of God in your life. Lord, fill me. And use me. Would you bow your heads? Even those of you online, bow your heads right now. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't really know what I'm talking about because you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. You can do that today. And you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. As you confess Jesus as Lord, he not only takes away your sins, but the third member of the Trinity comes in and lives inside of you. So if you're here or listening online and you've never been saved, just say a simple prayer like this. Right, right now, you can say this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me. Make me whole. In Jesus' name. And you can be born again. Dear Lord, if, if there's others in this room that are saved but... but They've been quenching the Spirit. They've been resisting the Spirit. They've been grieving the Spirit. I pray that this morning, right now, that they would begin living with the Spirit of God in their life and that they would be filled with the Spirit of God. Please, dear Lord, do something awesome in our lives and in the ministry of this church. Holy Spirit, have your way at Kavanaugh Church and in every life that represents itself in this church. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody say with me,
Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening in person or online. Again, there are more people here today than last week. We're thankful for that. Uh, some of you are, are not comfortable online coming yet. Hopefully, this next week, we're going to have a, a word from our governor that we've entered into phase two in Arkansas. I don't know what phase two is going to look like, but bring it on. <laughs> I'm ready for that. I, I do know this, that, that when we are allowed to, to come back and and uh, you know, have church again like like normal. Uh, our church is going to be stronger. Our church is going to be better, and our church is going to be bigger. Why? Because God is working. He's working at Kavanaugh Church, and so uh, you let Him do that work in you. Through the end of the month, we're just going to continue with church on Sunday mornings at nine o'clock and ten thirty. Uh, everything else is going to be online. Okay. So tonight at six o'clock, no Bible study. Uh, but you can go online and you can hear a great children's message from Brother Johnny at 6 o'clock. At 6 o'clock on Instagram line, if you're a Instagram online, if you're a teenager, uh, plug in to uh, Blaze Ministry. Uh, Brother Nathan has a special guest speaker tonight. I'm not going to tell you who it is. You're going to have to tune in and, uh, and listen to him. I know he's going to bring a great message. Then at 6.30, we'll have online adult Bible study. Brother Paul Hamilton is going to lead us in a lesson tonight, so you can plug into that. Wednesday night, we're going to be online again. Brother Johnny has a message for us Wednesday night, uh, so tune in online. It's our turn. Amen. It is our turn. Yeah? And uh, we've kind of pushed the pause button on our campaign, but not with our building. They've started construction out here, uh, and, and we're, we're steady on, all right? Uh, sometime uh, in the near future, it, it may not be until September, let's get through the summer, but we're going to push the play button on It's Our Turn and reactivate that campaign so that you can help pay for the building, <laughs> all right? Uh, but, but that's coming. Keep praying about it. I, I wear my uh, wristband 24 hours a day, and every day at 1.30, I pray for our campaign. I, I encourage you to do the same thing. Uh, this past week, I put a little picture out there, I think on Friday. It was a view from my office window. Uh, they're tearing up the, the ground out there. Man, had, had uh, response from people all over the country, and even people uh, from outside the U.S. responded, and many of you responded. Go, go back and, and find that. It's under my post on Facebook, and I want you to read what... Uh, what Jason Armstrong wrote. That was awesome, buddy. Uh, one of these days, I'm going to take that and read it in a sermon because I don't think you can say it any better on how we support the work of God and the way God comes alongside of us and supports us. So, so go to Facebook and, and read that. And along those lines, you continue to be faithful to give. Uh, I've had preacher after preacher call me and say, Brother Will, what's happening at Kavanaugh? Y'all y'all making it financially? I said, we haven't missed a lick. <laughs> I mean, our people have, have given above and beyond. And I just, I want to say thank you, Kavanaugh Church, for being faithful in giving your tithe. Thank you for doing that. When you leave the room today, there are boxes at each uh, exit. You can drop your tithe in. Many of you have started giving online and appreciate you doing that. Continue to do so. I'm about to dismiss you, but I want to give you some names of people that you can pray with me about. Betty Jocelyn has been having heart issues this week. Pray for her. Miss Phyllis Hamilton has surgery this week. Pray for her. Keep praying for uh, Brother Ron Rogers and Sandy. They're, they're still in Denver. Uh, Brian, they're going to be there until June the 3rd. 
and then they're going to be coming back home. Pray for Ron every day as he does therapy. Uh, pray for healing in his body. Pray for Sheila Carver. Ernie and Sheila have been longtime members here. This past Sunday, Ernie passed away. Uh, one of the saddest things, they, ha they, they buried him at the National Cemetery on Friday, but none of the family could be out there. Uh, they were sitting outside the gates watching the burial uh, so pray for Sheila, pray for that family. Pray for Alice Rose, she fractured her elbow, and uh, she really needs our prayer because Austin is her nurse. So pray, pray for Alice, all right? Uh, Sharon Pearson went to the emergency room this morning, pray for her, and pray for Haley Bass. Uh, Haley's been having some, uh, some medical issues and has been undergoing uh, treatment for that and then had gallstones this past week removed. So be praying for her. I want you to remember I love you. Man, our staff loves you. Most of all, God loves you. I want you to have a great day. Tune in tonight online for Kids Church, for Teen Church, and for Adult Bible Study. God bless you. Have a great day. You're dismissed.